I'm Morgan Matthews. I'm Vice President of Partnerships with Connections Health Solutions. So what inspired you to be a part of Connections Health Solutions? Yeah, so Michael, that's a great question for me. So I joined Connections some three years ago. Uh, right in August of 2020, so right at the height of the pandemic, having just graduated from Wharton with my MBA in healthcare management in May of 2020, so graduating into a world that was really in flux and filled with a lot of uncertainty. And one thing I knew when I graduated was, one, I wanted to work with a company in healthcare services. I wanted to be closer to patient mission. I, I'd worked in pharma and biotech consulting before business school. I wanted to be closer to, to the healthcare side of things. Um, and two, when I looked around at my options, I found a lot of the uh, health tech companies that I saw, I felt were providing health care to those that already had great health care. And it seemed that the healthier were getting more healthier. And then the underserved were kind of left out and that we weren't really tackling some of the meatiest problems. And, uh, you know, I think if there's anything we learned from COVID is that a lot of our cha- most challenging healthcare problems really came to the fore very quickly. And so that's one of the things that attracted me to Connections was the opportunity to work with a company that had a unique healthcare model, one that wasn't prolific, but yet proven, one that had years of developments going back to the 1990s, and yet really was not you know, ubiquitous, but was so needed. And so knowing that what we do is serve those on the worst day of their life who are in desperate need of psychiatric care with compassion and dignity in a way that most communities just don't have that infrastructure was what attracted me to Connections because I felt like I was actually diving in to a challenging problem, but also surfacing up a real solution in a way that moves the needle for those that typically don't have access uh, to strong mental health care. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about the facilities? For sure, for sure. So, Michael, our facilities have evolved over the course of three decades. We started the model back in Texas in the early 90s with 23-hour observation, which is a service line that enables those that might be danger self, danger others, and active psychiatric crisis to get immediate care by a multidisciplinary team. And over time, we've evolved to co-locate a number of services in all our facilities. So regardless of who you are, whether you just need a medication bridging script, whether you're in active crisis, whether you're a commercial patient, Medicaid, uninsured, whether you have co-occurring substance use disorder or you don't, you can come to Connections and know that we'll be your unequivocal front door and that we have levels of care that will treat you in a therapeutic warm, comforting environment to get you where you need to go. And so I was I was on a call recently and someone said, well, what does it feel like to be in a connections facility? Is it like, you know, an emergency room? Is it like your doctor's office? I said, well, you know, my parents are both doctors. I grew up in healthcare. A lot of times when I'm in the emergency room, I don't feel welcome. You know, a lot of times when I'm in the doctor's office, it doesn't feel the most therapeutic waiting in the waiting room. And I think the thing with connections is we try to meet you immediately with your need. And so anyone walking into our facility, uh, they will see a psychiatric provider, either an MD, NP, or PA within 90 minutes. So on the whole, you know, Michael, when you think about our facilities and our services, you know, important to know is regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, regardless of your issue, if you need help, mental health care, you can come to Connections and we'll be your unequivocal front door to get you where you need to go. 
Yeah. What is it like working with people on the front lines and getting their feedback? Yeah. So to me, it's part of what makes the job so exciting. You know, I am vice president of partnerships. So my job is a a step removed from the front lines. Um, But it motivates me to do a better job knowing the sacrifices they make and just the excellent patient care. You know, a lot of our staff will say that, you know, Connections is one of the safest and best places they've ever worked in behavioral health. And knowing how much of that comes from what they do on the daily and how they arrive, you know, drives me to be better and better. I was recently in a meeting with one of our uh, psychiatric founders, so Dr. Chris Carson. He founded the original model. He's now our chief strategy officer. <laughs> and he said uh, to the group of us, we're all clinical every one of us is a clinician. And I think it's such a great reminder that even though I'm not on the front lines, I have a critical role to play to make sure that those on the front lines can do the job they need to do and do it to their best so we can provide superior patient care. And so in short, Michael, you know, getting feedback from the front lines, understanding their needs so I can do my job better is critical to what I do and also helps me to make sure that I remain in my role also as a clinician with the, you know, air quotes clinician, but as a clinician to make sure that I'm helping them in their mission to make sure that our patients get everything they need at when they need it most. Well, you said earlier, it's been, you know, decades of evolution with the organization and you'd have two facilities in Arizona. What are some of the lessons learned with those facilities in terms of evolving the health Yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons, Michael, so we we could talk about like a few concrete ones. One is core to our model is no wrong door. So anyone coming to us, just come. If you're not suitable for our services, for example, you're in a physical health crisis or, or something else, we'll help you get to where you need to go. We never turn law enforcement away. We don't turn folks away at the door. We don't put up barriers to treatment. So that's key. Law enforcement as a key partner to make sure they can get back on the road and do their job and those in crisis can get clinical treatment is key. And that's been a big learning. Law enforcement drops off at our facility within 10 minutes. But I think the biggest learning for me that I've learned spending time with our founders and time with key thought leaders on our team, like Dr. Margie Balfour, is that you know, a good crisis facility evolves the system around it over time. It's a continuous quality improvement. And so the beauty of running a crisis facility is you are aggregating data from everyone that walks in your door. And when they walk in their door, your door in crisis, they're telling a story about how their needs weren't met in the community. And when we aggregate that data from all these stories of needs that aren't met, then we can surface that back to our community partners and say, this is, these are some concrete things we need to do to improve. Maybe we need to launch this joint program. Maybe what we need to do is put this new process in place to collaborate together. Here's all the ways in which we can work together better as a system and as a network to make sure that those in crisis get better care. And so I think that's the biggest lesson from uh, Phoenix from Tucson. I think oftentimes when we kind of go on our, you know, in my job, I talk with a lot of 
communities across the U.S. I think oftentimes, you know, a misconception is, well, we put a crisis center and clop and everything is fixed and it's all just over. And it's like, no, the beauty of a crisis center is you put it there, you start serving folks, and then you start getting all kinds of data about additional problems you didn't even know you had because you didn't have this level of care. And now that you know, you have a central facility that's accountable for this population that can surface those needs and say, hey, guys. We all need to improve in this. You know what we really need? Better transportation. You know what we need? We're struggling because we don't have any housing services for the unhoused. Let's let's talk about that. And we start to think about things from a continuum perspective in a way that might not have been there without having that crisis facility. I know for me, when I you know look for therapy uh, before tele. Uh, communication that has helped a lot. But when I look for it and call people that are like, oh, we don't have room or anything like that. And you feel like, am I not important enough to get help? So something like this even just helps the healing process. I think that's such a great point, Michael. I think it does. I think we've all had that. I think, you know, the healthcare system we have is so complex that there's so many hurdles that we have to manage through to get treatment. And those hurdles don't go away when we're at our sickest. And even I've had those situations with my own mental health where I'm trying to get help and I'm getting referred to folks. You're like, why was I referred to this person? This doesn't match my needs right now. And it, it can be so frustrating. And I think that's one of the things I love most about connections is, you know, we're the type of people where we're like, we're gonna help you get through this. We know that it's hard. So here's our peer support specialist. They can help you do a warm handoff to long-term care. Here's our staff that can walk alongside you and let you know that, you know, this isn't a problem you need to work through on your own and you don't need to feel ashamed that you're in this position. And I think that's so powerful. How does it feel that your mission is growing and you are going to be in more communities? It's really exciting, Michael. I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, for a lot of us, we have to pinch ourselves. If our SVP of marketing was on this call, she'd say she feels like we're catching lightning in a bottle. There has been so much advocacy to get to this point that I often say, I feel like we're standing on the shoulders of giants because there's just, you know, years of advocacy work to get to the point where there's a recognition that mental health care is as serious as physical health care. And we need to be as intentional in addressing the needs of those that have mental health problems. And I think we're we're finally there. And I know our team feels such an urgency to capitalize on this and to make sure that we're doing so in a thoughtful way so that every community we're entering has a bespoke and unique solution that we're bringing that is catered to their needs so that 30 years down, we're not all saying, well, why didn't we do it that way? Or why did we do it this way? We're knowing that we did so thoughtfully and intentionally with the communities in mind. Uh, We always talk about Michael at Connections, you know, each community is different. We have core principles that we don't violate. You know, for example, our commitment to ensuring that everyone gets access to care and that we're wholly focused on their recovery and getting them back connected to the community. You know, that doesn't change, but how we do that differs depending on what community needs are. And so I know for us, it feels great that we're growing and expanding. There's an urgency to make sure we, we, you know, my boss has been saying uh, recently that we move as quickly as possible, but as slow as necessary. So we move as fast as we need to move to capitalize on this moment and this advocacy, but as slow as we need to move to make sure it gets done right.
because it needs to be done right because this is this is critical patient care. And uh, I live in uh, Prince William County, Virginia, and the a facility is uh, coming mm-hmm. soon. Can you tell me about the collaboration with yeah. the county? Yeah, I certainly can, Michael. It's um, for me, it has been, I will just say, one of the biggest privileges to work with Prince William County. Um, I cannot say enough about their community services board le- uh, leadership, like Lisa Madrone, Elise Madison. They have a lot of, of folks that are just, um, you can see their passion and you can see their care for the populations they serve. And you can see the level of sacrifice and the hours that they've put in to advocate and push for this new level of care. So for me, just on a very personal note, before we get into the tactical stuff, it has been one of the most rewarding professional experiences I've had to have that level of connection and just to see how they operate and see how they serve. Um, that is one of the things I admire most about Lisa Madrone is if you meet her and kind of walk with her and see how she operates, she is the epitome of a leader that is a humble servant. She always puts the needs of others first. And it just, it, I've learned so much from being in her presence. So that's kind of a very personal note, just Michael, you were so blessed to live in Prince William County because your leadership is, is so cool. Um, but on a more tactical note, you know, what's exciting about the Woodbridge facility is it really kind of supercharges everything we've been doing at Connections. So earlier I said that we like to co-locate all our services, our urgent care, 23-hour ops, long-term beds. So regardless of who you are, it's one-stop shop. And now we've taken this even a step further because this facility will have our crisis services for adults and youth plus outpatient services from the community services board. So they're going to have their youth outpatient service uh, co-located, their trauma program, a few others. And so it's going to be even more of the continuum of care under one roof. And so I think that's truly unique about this versus some of the other projects we've done is normally our services are all co-located. We're coordinating with other parts of the continuum, but now we have other parts of the continuum all under one roof in a really powerful way. You know, Prince William County Emergency Services will also be in the building. And so it's truly uh, a supercharged kind of, um, how shall I say this, best in class co-located facility. And so that's what I I love about it is it's taking all the lessons we've learned and kind of talking about we're on this continuous learning journey and taking it a step further. And so I'm I'm very grateful to Prince William County that when they conceived of Woodbridge, they said, not only do we need a crisis provider, but we need to put our other outpatient behavioral health services here too. And I think that's just going to make for such a seamless experience for so many served there, where when you're discharged from connections, if you need to connect with Prince William County CSB, you're just walking over in the facility. It's all right there. And I think that is just so powerful and just speaks so much to uh, just a seamless patient experience that gets me excited. How does it feel for yourself to be helping people. It feels really good, Michael. It feels, you know, it feels good. It also feels like a just such a blessing. You know, I, I just think um, for me in so many ways, Connections has been a dream job. Um, so often, you know, we go to work, we might not feel the impact. There's so many people doing good work in so many different industries that maybe don't get the privilege of seeing 
right then and there what the impact is. And this is a job where, you know, I'm blessed that I get to work every day. And then we open these centers and you have actual patient testimony of the impact that's being felt. And you realize, wow, I played a small part in that. And so for me, it's, it's, it's kind of a dream come true to be able to, to, to go to sleep at night and think, okay, I'm, I'm a part of something that's important. I'm a part of something that's making a difference and to feel that so palpably. Yeah. Well, you, your organization does so much to help others, but what do you do to help your own mental health? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Michael, because it's so critical, right? We can't help other, you know, if we're talking about helping others, you can't pour into somebody else if you're not filling up your cup, right? Um, and you got to lead, I think, the thing for leadership too, right? You have to lead by example. For me, I think one of the biggest things that has been put on my heart in my adult life is just the power of community. I think that is so recharging and powerful to make sure that you're in community with people that can challenge you, support you, help you. I've been blessed to have strong church communities and where I've lived. Um, I'm very close with my family, even though they're all in Canada, but we do regular WhatsApp calls. So I get to talk with my mom, my dad, and my sister and praise God, WhatsApp now allows us to share screens. So <laughs> I like to Google things when we talk. And so I will share screens and do all kinds of stuff. But for me, it's, you know, for my mental health, it's spending time with the Lord, spending time in community and making sure that, you know, I have that outlet to see that there's a big wide world out there and so many things going on. Um, but what really matters is, you know, not this is going to sound cheesy. I didn't even intend to say this, but the connections. Um, and so that's, you know, I think, and I think that's, you know, kind of bringing it back, Michael, to what we do, that's another thing I love about my job is, um, you know, I talk about for the services we're building, we're not just building a service, we're building an ecosystem mm -hmm. because we actually do have to go out and make connections. Like it's not enough just to build the facility. It's like you have to make sure that the community knows you're there to bring folks, that law enforcement is coordinated with you, emergency departments, hospitals, downstream. Like there's so many different pieces and parts to put together that you're really kind of building a piece of the public safety net in a way that you have to do with the community in mind. And so I think, you know, my private life um, for my mental health, I, I see community and stay and remain in community. And then I'm thankful that in my kind of public life, my business life, I also um, have the opportunity just to really be in a role that has me, you know, uh, go into many different facets of communities. You know, I've been driving around in cars with representatives and, you know, they're showing me parts of their district that really need help. And then the next day I'm in our facilities seeing the staff take care of folks. And then the very next day, you know, maybe I'm at a press conference. And then the next day I'm meeting with law enforcement, hearing firsthand. It's my, I, I just, I was talking to someone, uh, one of my coworkers this week, and we were both saying that, there are so many moments on the job that are just so wildly different and so many stretches of communities we have to go to being in partnerships. And that's kind of shocking. And yet that's exactly what we love about our job is that you can literally say, I was doing this one thing this day and a totally different thing the next day, but then we're helping everybody come together and we have, we hold all these diverse perspectives in our hand and can, can kind of take them as they are and, and see what needs surface from that. So yeah, I think for me, just to kind of 
directly answer your question, Michael, uh, time and community time with the Lord is, is just so essential for me and my mental health. You said, you just said you do so many different things and every day is, you know, is an adventure, yeah. but where do you want to see the mission say in the next three to five yeah. years? Yeah. You know, Michael, for me, um, it was funny. I I've been, I've been noodling on this, uh, for our mission, uh, you know, the next three to five years, we'll be opening up many centers and my, my biggest prayer and my hope, and I know we'll deliver on this, so it's not a fear. Um, but is that we just continue this never ending quality improvement process that we've developed. You know, it's not enough that we'll be going into these communities. It's, you know, my sincere prayer and hope that we change the fabric of them in ways that are indelible and positive. And I think we've, because we have such strong partners like Prince William County CSB, I, I think that's entirely within the realm of possibility. And so that's my hope and my vision of we get into these communities, but then we're so enmeshed and we're such strong partners and there's such a love there and a drive to do what we need to do to bring about better patient care that we just keep going. We just keep going. It's what's next, what's next, what's next? What new program can we do? How can we help folks? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, so, I, and I would say we have a lot of type A people on our team, Michael. So we <laughs> being one of them, I will I will be the first to admit I, I'm very type A. So I think, I think we'll get there. But yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to is just hearing the testimonies coming out of that and just seeing just that kind of continued drive of like, okay, where can we go from here? What's next? What's the next innovative thing we can do? How can we help people more?